and welcome to episode four of the MHR podcast. I'm Andy Bowler. And I am Gemma Panther. By oh, the way, we did the surnames there yeah, for the first time this time. I, I feel like surnames. after I feel like after four episodes they deserve to know a bit more about us. And that's as much as I'm willing to give at this stage. <laughs> um, so we are on episode four, Gemma. What are we going to be talking about today? So today we thought we'd take a look into the world of security. So obviously we've been talking about HR, payroll, finance, and all the systems used to manage those are all computerized systems. So obviously dealing with a lot of sensitive data. So something organizations really need to be thinking about is the security of their data. So we thought to um, join us in our discussion today, we would invite along Will North, who is the Chief Security Officer here at MHR. So hello, Will, and thank Hi you both. for joining us today. Um, so first of all, just um, if you could give us a little bit of background of yourself. So how did you really get into kind of cyber security as your area of expertise? So um, it was kind of an accident, really, probably most, most jobs are like that. So I really wanted to be a tax accountant. At university, so I did, I did maths at university. I really wanted to get into tax and understand tax law. Went to a presentation an organisation, and then the stack of books you had to read was so big. I thought, Ooh, uh, maybe, maybe that's not for me. Being a you know yeah. maths graduate, the only numbers or only letters I've seen is like alpha, beta, gamma. <laughs> um, and, and at the same place, they were doing a presentation on cybersecurity, breaking into systems. And I thought, oh, you know, that sounds really interesting. And it kind of spurred on my um, wanting to solve problems. Mm. And cybersecurity is really about solving problems. So um, breaking into a system is just one problem. And if you can solve it, you know, get quite a good, good buzz after that. So uh, yeah, tax, too many, many books. Yeah. So I went into cybersecurity instead. You chose the rebel route. Yes. And for that, yeah. we respect <laughs> Brilliant. Um, cybersecurity is kind of very prevalent in the forefront of our minds recently. And I think um, in recent years, it's talked about more and more and more. And like, as, a, as an employee, I hear about it a lot in terms of notifications from yourself and team going, please be aware of threats uh, due to incidents that are happening externally. Uh, and looking at what's happening in the world right now, that's becoming more and more prevalent. But it's not something I really understand, I think. I think it's a lot of th it's a things that we're all so much more conscious of, but actually I don't have any understanding of the technicalities of it or, or what that means for me personally. Um, if you could describe it in a nutshell or its role within an organisation in a nutshell, how would you describe mm. it? So it's a, it's a difficult one, it's a bit, a bit of a dark art because you know, most businesses are, um, you know, have their objectives, whether it be profit and revenue or mm. helping um, out the community, um, <clears throat> which is so easy to, to track. But cybersecurity is this thing that um, is always happening in the background and it may never happen, you know, and in touch wood it doesn't happen for you know, all of our listeners and, and MHR, but if it does, it can have catastrophic uh, impacts. So you've got to have it always in the forefront of your mind, even though when you're focusing on the other area of your business, you've got to be really thinking that this could happen and actually you know, it's a major, major impact if it does. Um, and then, you know, kind of what is it in a nutshell? I suppose it's, it's really about something that can stop um, your organisational business achieving its objective. So, um, you know, yeah, again, they're trying to achieve all sorts of different things, but if you have you know, a major a data breach, that's going to be reputational damage. If your systems go down, it means you won't be able to work. Um, so in recent times, it was always about you know, cyber attackers hacking banks. Um, you know, that was the main target to steal money. But, but these days, actually, um, you can get more pain to an organisation. If you shut down their manufacturing plant, yeah. um, you know, that's even worse than you know, stealing some money in the end. So it just affects every single organisation. Anything that steals data, hurts reputation, or actually just stops your organisation from working, whether it be manufacturing or not being able to access your IT systems. Okay. Um, and is it 
So as soon as you go to cybersecurity, I go in my head to like a Hollywood film where people are trying to hack in and like this is the type of perception I have on these things. Um, and from what you described there, it sounds like um, the role of cybersecurity in organizations also be very responsive and up to date with threat, external threats that are happening outside and, ha and how we respond to them. From your, from your experience, is it a case of kind of chasing those developments or um, is the team actively spending time trying to get ahead of what people are trying to do and hack? So it's a bit of both. Um, <clears throat> I really like your Hollywood example. Um, and I think you know, that is what it's like these days. That there's a, there's a recent um, attack on a well-known organization. Actually, it's like 16-year-olds in their bedrooms have been arrested over it. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, it, it is those type of, you know, you know, there'll be a movie about it you know, sooner or later. Um, and then you know you've got organised crime and, and all sorts of things uh, happening, and um, people are really understanding how much money you can make from data. Um, and because of that, these organised criminals are starting to invest a lot more money in making a lot more um, you know structured organisations. They have interview processes, and uh, they kind of deposit money in these dark websites to show how good they are. Um, they have. Um, the malware producers. They have performance statistics that they advertise and say, you know, ours is the best malware. Um, and then because of that, there is a lot of kind of chasing your tail that goes on. You know, every day there's new vulnerabilities being released in different systems. There's new um, you know, attacks going on. Um, so it is kind of does feel like this constant. You know, every single day you've got to be checking your phone, checking the news, finding out you know which supplier has been breached today and uh, do they affect you. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of chasing your tail. But also we do try and be as proactive as possible and think about what the, the new threats are, even though there there have been. You know, some differences in cybersecurity, um, and probably a lot of people would argue you know, massive differences, but actually you know, we've always had computers for you know, 30 years, everyone's been trying to break into them, we've always had passwords, you know, we've always had to have backups, and actually a lot of the controls are, are very similar. Well, they have shifted slightly, mm -hmm. I'd probably say evolution rather than revolution to things like ransomware. Okay. And just thinking about that, and you've talked about how kind of it's been more of like a gradual thing that we've been moving towards. Mm. Obviously, something that's impacted, I would say, probably most people mm. uh, in the last couple of years, obviously, is the mass move to remote working from the pandemic. Um, and lots of systems, obviously, lots of companies already working through their digital transformation strategies, but obviously having the entire workforce go to work from home. Has that introduced any like additional kind of thoughts that people need to be thinking about to kind of ensure that security if um, they're not mm. using maybe cloud-based systems or you know things like mm. that has that remote working impacted I think it's definitely had an impact um, it's one of the kind of really interesting points for me that I think lots of cybersecurity companies trying to sell you things really focus on it and say oh you know everyone's working from home now all the risks have completely changed but um, certainly for most organizations I don't think I've worked at an organization where I haven't worked from home sometimes so most organizations were just set up for this anyway. Mm. Um, so we were already working from home. It's just more of us went to work from home. So we already had the, you know, the technology, the, the systems in place yeah. um, to do that. I think you know, MHR was a really great example, the fact that you know, we were completely set up. You know, we were already cloud-based anyway, and we could, you know, it was an absolute seamless transition for us, which was, was brilliant. Um, probably for 50% of organizations, that's the same. There's probably another 50% where they probably weren't quite set up for that and they were having to VPN into their organisations and um, then they didn't have enough VPN licences and, and, and all sorts of things. So I think, I think some people make more of a, a thing of it than it really was. Um, <clears throat> but there certainly are some things to change. You know, if you've got more people working from home, particularly key roles, you've got different risks, you know, you're not in an office, you can't... Um, there's going to be, you know, we might be in a, 
house with flatmates and people looking over your shoulder or leaving your you know, laptop open or uh, those types of mm. things. And, and certainly with the, with the move to the cloud, there's a few small things that you really need to make sure you've got. But if you do have those, you know, it's probably more safe than on-premise. So you know, multi-factor authentication might be something that we get into later, but an absolutely key control that people need to be thinking about when moving to the cloud. And just, you mentioned multi-factor authentication <coughs> there. So for people that aren't really aware of what that mm. means, can you give us just a bit of a, an explanation yeah. in layman's terms? So um, passwords have been around for years and years yeah. and years, um, but actually they're, they're quite a, one of the kind of biggest weaknesses in security. So um, <clears throat> you know, passwords get into all sorts of systems and you have to remember them and they have to be uppercase and lowercase and all these types yeah. of things. And then most people tend towards going to you know, something a little bit easier so they can remember it. Um, so if you're just using a password to get access to a system, phishing is you know, so kind of prevalent you know, in society, probably more in your personal life uh, than in your work life, because actually um, at work, people pay a lot of money to have systems to try and prevent it, but at, at work, um, you know, it's quite low. But then at home, you're probably getting DHL messages and all sorts of things, oh. and someone's saying you've got. Let's say in the last six months, <laughs> the text messages I get, being yeah. like, I've got a parcel for you. Exactly. Like, I, you definitely <laughs> don't. <laughs> so, and, and phishing is so such yeah. a big thing, and most of the time they're trying to get your credentials and get your password. Um, <clears throat> so it's relatively easy to fool someone to give you their password. So if you do, you know, you've got the keys to the kingdom there, um, and it means that you can you you are them, and it means you can log into any system that they log into. <laughs> so to mitigate that risk. As well as having a password, you need another thing to verify what you are, so another method of authentication, so called another factor. So that could be a text message to your phone, um, because if, you know, if someone's um, fished you and they've got your password, you know, it's highly unlikely they've also come over to wherever you are and stolen your phone as well. Um, <clears throat> or biometrics, again, they probably haven't pulled your eye out, so it's a bit dark. But um, you know, again, it's very easy to get your password, but it's very hard to get a second factor. So that's what multi-factor authentication is, uh, making it a stronger verification of who you are. And if that is the case, then if uh, you know, occasionally when people do fall for phishing emails or um, you know, they do choose a weak password, it means that you're doing a really, really good job to stopping them then get access to those systems. And is MFA um, a requirement in some senses? Is this mm. something that everyone should be doing? That businesses mm. are now some businesses may be playing mm. catch up on, mm. uh, where others are kind of all set up for. Is it something that everyone needs to be mm. considering? So it's it's a really really good point. You know, absolutely every organisation I would have said in the in the world, unless mm. you uh, you know don't have a presence on the internet, need to be thinking about it. Uh, <clears throat> certainly, some of the biggest breaches I've um, you know looked into. So British Airways was a huge one. Marriott was a big one. Pretty much every every one I've looked at in the last couple of years, the root cause was a lack of multi-factor authentication. So, you know, ninety percent of the time it starts with phishing, get the credentials, and then they access a cloud system or a VPN, and and, th and that's their route in because it's just such an easy thing to do. So, uh, and it's been pinpointed by quite a lot of regulators and organisations as you know the main weakness within organisations. So because of that. Um, I don't think you'd have a security professional or regulator in the world that doesn't recommend it as you know, one of the most important controls, particularly in the kind of hybrid working and, and, and cloud um, area. So in the, in the UK, we've got the National Cybersecurity Centre. Um, you know, they highly recommend it, particularly if you're accessing sensitive data, which payroll information is 100% you know, sensitive data. Uh, the ICO, you know, a lot of people uh, since 2018 when GDPR came in and turn 500,000 pound fines into 20 million pounds fines. You know, people stood up and started listening. Um, again, very, very strong advice to say um, you should have multi-factor authentication on your systems, particularly if it includes sensitive data. So again, 
a payroll system you know, is really, really in exactly that, that area where you must have multi-factor authentication. Yeah. And we talked, um, we talked a lot about technology and <coughs> how that works. And it, it, so it turns out you are living in a Hollywood movie, which is good <laughs> yep. to hear. Um, from a people side of it, mm -hmm. um, in your role leading a team in this way, what, what does a cybersecurity team look like in an organization? Because you, you described it a bit of a dark art, and it usually means a lot of people don't really <coughs> understand how you, you guys go about the work that you do. Mm. Are these teams increasing, uh, like increasingly growing in organizations? Do you have, is it a large team? Do you call yourself agents? I'd mm. like to think <laughs> cybersecurity agents have got that curly kind of wire like you're in the CIA or something and you yeah. walk around making sure everything's plugged mm. in. Like it's more complex than that. But it, uh, has your team grown drastically in the last few years? Do you see it continuing to expand? Like how, what, what does a team look like? So, so I'm very lucky we have quite a big team. Um, a lot of, all the senior management at MHR really care about our data and they you know, invest a lot in cybersecurity. So, um, the things that have been changing in recent years, you know, with Russia and Ukraine and the heightened yeah. risk, you know, we've been trying to protect against those types of attacks for years, really. So we're in a, in a great position and we've already got a, a strong team. We will certainly be expanding, um, but generally uh, in line with the size of an organisation. So as um, the organisation gets more complex, we need uh, more people to understand exactly what's happening and what the risks are. So um, I think proportionally we're probably not uh, expanding because we're you know, in a really good place anyway. Um, yeah, it's certainly interesting about what the makeup is. Uh, if anyone's seen Mr. Robot, um, you know, again with the hoodies and the attacking, um, certainly one of my old members of my team, you know, they came in a hoodie every day, so that probably didn't uh, go anything to dispel that, that reputation. Um, but again, I'm really lucky to have a really diverse um, set. So I've got you know, people experienced in, you know, essentially hacking and kind of, kind of test all sorts of systems, um, to people looking at software development. But then also really, really importantly, which I think is what you're touching on, on the people element as well. So. I've tried to have some people completely non-technical, so they don't get bogged down into trying to you know, buy the, the best tool and um, you know, spend the most money on something at the moment. Um, but actually really focusing on you know, the, the people area, the training, um, getting you know, normal people to understand that actually passwords are important. Um, you know, don't clicking on phishing emails is important. And I think a techie you know, who's going to be talking in all sorts of languages about SQL injection and SSL and all sorts of things isn't really going to help that. So we need that more business-focused um, person to be able to communicate that. I think you only hit the nail on the head on what my next question was going to be following mm -hmm. that, actually. And it was for a, uh, an organisation where 90% of the people really don't understand these <coughs> risks, is how do you communicate these threats and how mm -hmm. do you communicate the change in this so people can be, so you can protect yourself because you can surely you can only the the experts can only protect themselves and if no one else has that skill set they can't do that unless they're listening or being you know your team's being heard so would you say your answer is about having people that help bridge that communication that understanding yeah definitely um, I think we often try and you know have the technology to start with so in some ways I think some people say um, you know, humans are the first layer of defence, but often I'd say you know, the last. We need to try and put as much in place so that you know, bad things don't get to the users. Um, but if they do, that's where you need to do all the all the training. Um, <clears throat> and then yes, you know we need people who understand what they're doing, you know, understand their challenges. And the, and the biggest thing with security, it's a it's, it's always a fight between um, usability. You know, I would say it'd be easy for me to you know, keep everything 100% secure. You know, just turn all the computers off. Um, but, but that's not really going to help people. <clears throat> so it's, it's trying to get that balance with people trying to do their jobs and, oh, I've just got to send this email to a customer now and, oh, they can't receive encryption, so can I send it without encryption? Mm -hmm. And you need to try and 
give them the understanding that actually that is bad and then for them to make the right decision. Because I can't you know, go around every single person and decide every single decision that they're doing and check every single thing. So we need to empower them with the, the culture that it is really important. And okay, your customer might get this a day late, but actually it's a lot better than you know, all their data going on the internet um, and being exposed. Yeah. Great. Well, I mean, that's been really insightful. I think it's taught us a lot more about the human element, what the teams look like, and uh, a lot more about MFA, which I didn't understand, uh, and the role of uh, cybersecurity anyway. Um, thank you so much, Will, for that. I'm, it's not hard to educate me, but I'm sure a lot of people listening today have look, taken a lot, of, a lot away from that uh, today. So thanks for joining us today. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Really, really interesting. Thank you. And that's it from today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us again today. You can join us next month, but also we have three other podcasts you can listen to. So please make sure you subscribe, listen to the others. You can check us out at mhrglobal.com, as well as find us on social media. Thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.